So hi, everybody. Let me give you an introduction to this program. Two companies often take the same business processes or tools, but adopt them and implement them totally differently. Often there's no such thing as better or worse. It's just more about making these tools and processes work best for them and their organizations. Today's show, we're going to focus on a really good example of how customization of a best practice approach in your management culture can work very effectively for your business. There's an example often of how companies bring in management disciplines. If you're familiar with EOS traction, a lot of small and mid-sized businesses implement that, but they don't all implement EOS or traction in the same way. Some use formal implementers, some contract with part-time integrators, some try to do the whole thing themselves. Now, any of these approaches can work as long as you embed that discipline into your ongoing management processes and culture and discipline. Now, that's the same outcome when businesses embed horizon growth planning into their management processes. There are many ways to do it, but on today's program, I'm going to bring in a guest who's done it better than any company I've ever used Horizon Growth with and achieves great results. And I don't say that lightly because I've built this methodology and implemented it probably, I don't know, maybe a hundred times. But I, I can testify that the way Tom Sween and EA Sween done this is just absolutely a best practice. And I want to introduce Tom's approach to you in the context of the practical CMO, because on this program, we try to give practical guidance. So you're going to want to listen to Tom's story. Let's get the conversation started. So today, my guest is Tom Sween, an experienced leader and CEO of EA Sween, a leader in the production and distribution of food for people on the go, which delivers convenience without compromise. Now, if you aren't familiar with the name EA Sween, perhaps you'll know the business by one of its most visible brands, Delhi Express. I'm going to let Tom tell you a little bit more about his business, which incredibly delivers 70 million sandwiches each year. Tom, welcome to the Practical CMO. Thanks, Mark. Well, 70 million and growing. <laughs> 70 million uh, and growing. That's right. good, right? No, I appreciate it. You gave me some, some nice words there. We'd rather say it as a journey, but I appreciate what you said. This is fun to talk to you today, you know, share our story, not only the company, but how it relates to the journey that's been kind of fun with you as it relates to the Horizons management system. So as you asked a little bit about our business, you know, we are a third generation family business. We're based out of Eden Prairie, Minnesota. We've been fortunate to do this for over 65 years, being in business and, and generating roughly, as you said, around 200 million in sales, a little over a thousand employees that are located throughout the United States. We manufacture, you talked about the food on the go. In today's world, where our niche is individually wrapped sandwiches, burritos, wraps, and we're selling through hundreds of grocery wholesalers and retail partners throughout the United States. Brands, as you taught, you already talked about the Deli Express brand. And then we're also building a, a kind of a new line over the last five years, which is our market sandwich line, a little bit more upscale and evolving with the consumer. But one thing we also do is many may, maybe don't know is our final mile distribution solutions. And we've been doing that since the beginning of our company. And it's been a core part of it in the array of our business solutions. So that, that kind of puts everything in a little summary for you of what we do. The final mile is worth a comment, I think, Tom, because I know some other food manufacturers who would kill to have that kind of service and delivery capabilities that you've got there, right? I mean, that's one of the things that really makes your organization unique, as well as the commitment to quality and continuously innovating product. I think those are some of the characteristics I've seen in EA Sween, which compared to other 
food manufacturers and food companies that I've been acquainted with. I mean, I think you guys just do it so well. Thank you. And it's not easy. That's no, the top. No, it if it was easy, everybody no. would do it, right? So, and you wouldn't yeah, be a leader. You'd have more competitors. But, you know, one of the other things that's really struck me, Tom, is you've got such a proven approach to business performance. I mean, in my interactions with you and your leadership team, really built a strong culture that's based on collaboration, communication, and strong accountabilities. And I know that's been part of your success formula. I think as we kind of get started and talk about integrating horizon growth into a discipline like that, it would make sense to tell our audience a little bit about that discipline. It's not EOS. It's not traction. It's really something that you've built over time. But can you share a little bit of how you got there and how that culture sort of manifests itself in terms of a management discipline and alignment? Again, 60, over 65 years in the business, you know, we've been lucky from the beginning to have basically a people first culture grounded around our people. And my grandfather instilled that in the company from day one. But we've also been extremely proud about being professionally managed. You talked about accountability. But you got to be professionally managed and have systems in place. The business needs to be financially stable for the long-term benefit of everybody, all the stakeholders, all 1,000 plus. But then you need to have a clear growth path so we can be around for future generations. And I sometimes joke that there's a lot of pressure on the third generation business success. And, you know, that percent is pretty low <laughs> on third, gener third generation success stories. So, Fortunately for us, because of our foundation, because of our focus on reinvesting in the business, we've kind of countered that trend in the East Wing and never rested on our laurels. Complacency will kill a company. And that's what keeps me up at night and keeps me motivated. When I kind of take some of those points and extract them, it's sort of the never satisfied with where you are, but having a plan to where you want to go, right? And sort of bringing as much clarity into your growth opportunities as you possibly can. You had the management culture well in place before you and I first met, and we started talking about Horizon Growth. And I even remember on one of our very first calls where even before I got into the Horizon Growth process and why it might be a good fit for EA Swing, you basically said, okay, look, but here's, here's a must-have, right? This needs to adapt and be embedded in our management discipline. What drove your thinking around that? I mean, was it based on previous experiences, or is it just that strong a foundation for you? Well, one, there can be tons of different management systems and ideas on and kind of a shiny object. And so we've been trying to get grounded for us. And prior to the horizon process, we did have a solid foundation for our strategic path of our growth. We had a foundation for it, but we we're growing fast. And as, as I stated earlier, especially third generation, growth is not easy. As the company, as we were getting larger, the complexity of the business continued to get larger. And so we were really looking for a more simplified way, which isn't always easy to simplify things, to organize our thinking. So that really led me to looking at other options and different ways to think about it. But we weren't looking for a wholesale change in everything that we were doing. We were just trying to simplify it a little bit. And so I started working with our board of directors, which I rely a lot on how to improve our process. Um, we're not going to fix everything, but we want to improve it. And I discussed this approach with one of our board members who you know, and he was familiar with, with your process, and we connected, and then that led us down the journey that we're on today. Yeah, so it, growth wasn't new, but a simplified, organized way of looking at growth and managing it on an ongoing basis perhaps was different in the Horizon Growth process. Was that really kind of why Horizon Growth itself 
was interesting because you thought it would, could bring that clarity and that kind of management alignment around focus. Because, uh, yeah, there were a lot of opportunities that we talked about, even in the very first workshop, right? There were, I don't know, 12 or 15 that we started with. We ultimately narrowed down, but what did you see in the potential value of the process itself that was interesting? Every company has a lot of opportunities, but it's how you view the opportunities and how you organize them and prioritize them. So as you said, we, we had a lot of things in front of us. We've been growing the business. And as we got to a point in the company where what's next and how are we going to take the next step as a company, this process allowed us to organize our thinking a little bit better. To what the system does is when you score and you prioritize, you start to see the scale or is it something that the organization can actually execute now or it might be a good idea, but might you might have a gap in learning and understanding what the opportunity is. And it might be something you just, it's a good idea, but you might need to vet it out a little bit. And that's where the horizon management system comes into place is you can organize them based on horizons one through three. And that kind of brings in that visibility of the longer range plan. You are a fan of good business process. I mean, that's pretty obvious, right? But you're also a fan of a good analytical business process that um, leaves room for creativity, but still does the hard work of quantifying things and scoring things and financially evaluating opportunities and good blend of -of out-of-the-box creative thinking, but still grounding it back in, gee, is this real? Can we really do it? Oftentimes, I'll start with a two-day offsite, which we did with your exec team, and we had a number of ideas coming into that workshop, and I think in the end, when I went to my notes, I looked, there were five ideas that we ended up categorizing as good improvements to the core business, and probably eight potential opportunities that really represented new revenue and profit streams. Then we built a custom scorecard as a group. We scored them. That was some interesting conversation, I believe, right? Because not everybody sees the same opportunity the same way. But we analyzed them, prioritized them. We looked at factors like how quickly could we see the first dollar of new revenue from each opportunity. We looked at the risk profiles and then said, okay, well, what about even sort of doability, right? I mean, does this really, is this fit our strategic direction and would we have the resources and the expertise to sort of pull it off? Is there anything about that process or the outcomes that surprised you? I mean, all these opportunities had to have been in discussion at some prior point. Well, yeah, I look back at my notes as well, and it was like a year and a half ago. I mean, it's crazy to think of where we've come since then. And I mean, as you mentioned, the, the process, that we kicked off was awesome. I mean, it was the good news for us was that we felt good about all the list of opportunities that we were talking about and they weren't completely new ones. It wasn't like, again, we were starting over, but going through the process and as you just, you just touched on scoring, analyzing, you started to understand the scale of the opportunities, what the impact might be in the timing, which is really most important at some point here when you're looking through these and really what you feel like you could execute. And so we started putting these, organizing them in horizon one to threes. We could identify the work. And as you've kind of commented on our process, we talk about breaking our work into 120 days. So for each horizon, not just near term, but what are the bigger things we're gonna be doing in the next 120 days? And then we get everyone committed to what the work is for each of, each of the um, three horizon initiatives as we got them organized. And that we didn't trade all the opportunities the same. You know, some were more near in our business model. We understood what they were. We just had to put a plan in place and we knew we could execute. But others were more further out and we needed to do, you know, a little more due diligence, you know, to mm-hmm. understand 
was this the right thing to pursue? It might be, but we had to understand more and we couldn't really decide until we did that work. The other thing was getting the insights from the next level of management. We did do it with the executive team, but we brought in a few other of our next level of management. And to me, those were really the experts. They're the ones that were going to be helping us execute the strategies. And that was really an aha moment for me. You know, it really showed our teams that we do look longer term, not just near term, and that we wanted them to be part of the process. And that's the reality of this thing is that it's a team process. It's not mm-hmm. a push process. It's an overall team process. Yeah. You know, and I remember a couple of things about that workshop. I think some of the second level managers that came in were pretty strong advocates for opportunities that they felt fit the company's strategic direction. And so just even having them sort of in a setting, be willing to not just participate, but to kind of evangelize the ideas that they had was pretty unique. And then the other thing was there was a lot of passionate conversation among attendees at during those two days, because there are people who, from wherever their starting point was, their expertise, their view of not just the business and the strategic fit, but also the opportunities that themselves had kind of different views about where it should fit, you know, whether it should fit. But I think that was all really healthy conversation. Everybody went home friends. So that was the best part of it too, right? It's one way to maybe phrase it is, you know, the push-pull strategy. You know, a lot of companies might push strategy down and, and that's not really in our culture. We try to do more of a pull strategy. You can't get everyone involved, but getting some of those key leaders who are doing the work, then they're part of it. And then they're actually passionate about being part of the journey and not having it brought on them. Well, I think this has been a good recap of your management discipline and how we got Horizon Growth implemented. Now, we've talked about how you and the executive team have mastered the integration of growth planning and your management culture. But I think delivered on the, the promise of the practical CMO, we should really talk some tactics here now about how you did that. And I think We could talk about process, we could talk about people, we could talk about technology, we could talk about how you built it in regular reviews. I think all of those are good topics. Can we just kind of take those one at a time and and let you kind of go off and provide some good guidance to the audience? Yeah, I mean, one of the things that what I liked to see early on and learning about this was our implementing the growth champion into the system. And that happens to be my sister, Tasha, and she took on the role from the beginning when we started working together. She had a background working for the company back even the late 90s, early 2000s around continuous improvement and understanding process and management systems. So when you bring that into the horizons, she was the process side of her skill set. And as I would talk to it as kind of the quarterback, mm-hmm. she owns as a quarterback the ongoing process. And that's worked extremely well for us. You know, she is a calm leader, but she's objective. And you got to have that in this role because you got a lot of opinions. You already kind of referenced that before. You have a lot of different people that are inserting their perspective on the strategic choices that we're going to make, whether it's our six executives on the team, their management. That's been very, very helpful for us. And for us, that's why we want to dedicate one leader to be the quarterback and on the process is the growth champion. And that voted well for us. And you know, that in itself, the fact that you have put Tasha in that role is very unique because a lot of companies, either they don't have the scale or they don't have the right person or the strong enough desire to give that to somebody to run on a, you know, pretty much full-time basis, right? A lot of times a CEO tries to do it or 
there's a CMO, a VP of marketing, maybe they'll try to do it. But that becomes a very part-time job. And it doesn't happen very well at, at that point, right? There are other priorities that always seem to get in the way. But I thought Tasha jumped in as kind of the program manager, strong process orientation. Yeah. I think, you know, when we talk about processes too, I think even the intake process we ended up integrating was a way that you were evaluating ideas and concepts, right? We didn't just sort of take the prize and growth as is and try to implement it. I mean, we, we really customized it. And I thought one of the more innovative things we did was to try to recognize short-term, you know, horizon zero or core opportunities versus those that were going to take some time and investment and resources to really develop. Absolutely. And just referencing back to when you talk about the growth champion and Tasha's role versus having an individual leader that might have a certain skill set, they might have biases more to their reference point versus being objective around what is the right thing for the good of the whole of the organization. Then when you take that, and as you said, we take the principles of the horizons, what is the purpose of horizon zero, one, two, and three, and then use the system, and but, but bring it into our own system on how we're seeing where are we going as an organization and how it fits into those near-term versus long-term strategic choices that we're going to make. Mm-hmm. And I really think that EA Swim was the first company I've seen actually take and structure some of the tools and the input processes because you already had, you had something there already. But as you said before, you wanted simplified, integrated, accountable. You wanted metrics to do it. So I think that was kind of one of the strengths of your implementation. One of the other things Tasha did that I, it may not seem remarkable, like from, from my perspective, I think, and I told her it was quite remarkable was getting sort of the opportunity management or dashboard technology implemented and getting everybody to buy in. I know you used Monday.com. You hadn't used that before, though. No, I mean, we had always struggled, you know, and dashboards and web-based things have come a long way. But just as of coming into this process, we need to get away from all the, all the Excel spreadsheets trying to keep them all updated, all the lists and all the, you know, working everything on spreadsheets and having everything in their own system. So having us have a central place like Monday.com, you know, we're not vested in only Monday.com. Whatever the project management system is, this just happened to be one that seems simple to us, easy to use, easy to keep updated, easy to create the visibility for our team. And you can get all the detailed work, the owner of each initiative can go do their work on the side, but this was to give us a higher level project dashboard to understand the health of the initiatives, making sure we could see our progress, where we're at, and move it along in between our each, as I've referenced, our 120 days expectation between each board meeting. Some listeners might say, well, how hard was that implementing a new tool? Well, if you ever tried to implement a tool in a sizable organization, trying to get everybody to agree to use the tool and then actually to use it, is often more complicated than you thought, than anybody might thought. And I, I just thought Tasha did a great job with that. And she was also willing to modify it as we used it, mm-hmm. um, adding some additional fields and some additional checkpoints and milestones that sort of, again, fit the management processes and the discipline so that we could get the information out that we really needed to effectively check status and manage these projects and these opportunities on an ongoing basis. Well, and that just goes back to her being the quarterback. So you had a bunch of different opinions of how to do it. And so this just, again, streamlines it. So there's one person managing it. And then there's ownership and then there's alignment. And everyone doesn't agree on everything, but we do know what we agree to. And then we move forward and use it. And like you said, it evolves as we move forward. It depends on the business needs at that time. And we can make the changes as needed. You know, I, I, I didn't think of it at the time, but I 
if we had a Velvet Hammer Award, we probably should have given it to her, right, for her success and getting everybody to buy in. Because she's yeah. not going to push it on anybody, right? But she yeah. really did a very nice job of helping everybody understand the value of a collaboration tool like that. And then the other things that you've done I thought were uh, really noteworthy we should talk a little bit about was sort of how you do your leadership teams, your executive team check-ins, and then also how you extract some of that content and use it in your board reviews. Not to repeat, but just to kind of make sure you know I'm consistent with my language. I mean, we believe not only I talked about being a people-first culture, but professionally managed. And that includes a big part of having our outside board of directors, which we rely heavily on. And we, we really feel strongly about having this board to help guide us. You know, they're critical to keeping all of our management accountable, myself included, for long-term success of EA Swing. Are we on the right track? What are we missing? And so the horizon management system ties right into that, which is was really fun and exciting when we got going on this. We really, with the board, we update the health of our strategic plan back to this every 120 days. So the 120 days for us is in between each board meeting. That's our check adjust to make sure we're, what are we winning? What did we learn? What are the challenges? What are the opportunities within the work that we agreed to do? We do the check adjust and then we update the strategic choices and move forward and build our next 120 day plan. And then that kind of feeds into our annual planning and long range planning going into each cycle of our, of our annual updates. And as you said earlier, you had one board member that actually introduced us and then he was familiar with the horizon growth process, which was why he thought, you know, we should talk. So I remember the first time we actually presented the results of the workshop to the board. There were others in there who I don't think had been familiar with that approach, the horizon growth approach before, but they seemed like they took to it pretty well. Well, this goes back to if I say my intent was to find something simple that people could understand and then have it effective. And then if the board understands that because they're not living the day to day, then, you know, you win. And they did see it. They could understand it. And that was part of my goal is can you communicate going up to the board and can you communicate down to the management team of the organization? And we've been successful doing that. And within the management team itself, there seems like this whole notion of forward planning or smart growth planning or horizon growth planning has gotten so embedded. And I, w- I was just surprised at how quickly the management team adopted some of the language and started using some of the language. I know in some of the follow-on workshops we had, it was kind of like, wow, these guys are, you know, they're, they're using the language of horizon growth. That's pretty cool that they, that they yeah. sort of took to it so well, too. The horizon growth and the strategic growth engine, I like the word engine, where it's just constantly moving and building. And then you check adjust and we've, we've, We've clamped onto that. So, you know, Tom, I know you and I would both agree, and you just use the word engine, which really is implies that, you know, growth has to be an ongoing process and not, you know, once a year, let's write the plan and then put it on the shelf and come back a year later and see what we didn't do. To be effective, it, it needs to be part of the culture. So if I said, okay, Tom, look, you've given a, a lot of rich guidance today, but if you picked out three specific recommendations for the audience. If they were interested in both, how do they improve their management discipline as well as implementing a growth engine? You know, what what would be the top three things on your working list? Yeah, I mean, it's a good question. We've hit a lot of points. I've said many times here, just a simple process that all people can understand. That's number one. We've done that. And the point of simple means when it starts to feel like you're using it for a while and it's getting maybe a little messy on certain things, then you have time to clean up and check adjust. And mm-hmm. If the system is too hard, then it's impossible to do that. And we all know that we have to evolve. That's allowed us to do it. The second is 
And we talked about earlier, just bringing the next level leaders under the executive team into the process. So you, it's that pull strategy versus a push strategy. You know, they're critical to success. They're the experts. They're doing the work. And they love to work beyond the current year. Being allowed to be thinking beyond the current firefights and the tactical things they're doing and see that they can actually be part of that conversation with, with the leadership at the highest level of the company. So that's, that's a big one. That's two. Mm-hmm. Third, you just talked about the engine part, right? The process has to be alive. It has to be current, needs to be relevant and just evolving. This process can't, in our past, maybe what we didn't do so well is we create a strategic plan. You just talked about to put it on the shelf. You'd get the board approval. We'd have some visibility to it. It would come and go get it in front of us and not on a frequent enough basis to keep it current and relevant and ongoing. So now we're bringing that some of our thinking around that 120 day work or between each board meeting, we're working these plans in between the board meetings. And then that does keep us accountable. And that's that thinking of engine and ongoing will fail miserably if we don't walk or talk and keep it in front of us. And we've been doing that. That's easier said than done for many companies. If I summarize those, you'd say simple process, engage a broader management team so they can bring their ideas, but also feel some sense of ownership and keep this relevant, keep it alive, make it an ongoing part of the way that you manage the business. I think those are great takeaways. So let me offer just a few closing points. You know, I, I think today, sort of as we sit in the health crisis and starting to see some progress out, but perhaps in some industries, it's going to take a lot longer than others. Having a growth plan, I think every business may have had a 2020 plan, but you know, now's a great time to reevaluate whether your plan makes sense given the economic conditions you're in, right? Are the markets that you want to develop still attractive markets? Are there different factors or different buying attributes than there were before the COVID days? Um, so I, I think one of the things that we're recommending at Chief Outsiders is that if you haven't got a good plan, now is not too late to sort of start building that plan so that you can take advantage of any post-COVID tailwinds as the economy starts to pick up. I just uh, read a couple of days ago that ITR Economics is now the latest forecast calling for faster recovery and a longer recovery than they originally thought. So they're saying, hey, things are happening, you know, several months faster than we thought they might. And the recovery looks like it might extend into late 2022 before it starts to plateau out. So, you know, both good dynamics. The question is, how does your growth plan look like? And are you prepared to take advantage of those too? So. Tom, any other summary comments that you might want to offer? I actually appreciate what you just said. So whether pre-COVID, post-COVID, I'm happy that we have this management system in place. The COVID reality now, you know, what, what we've been challenged with is the industries we sell to the customer base that we are working with has been challenged. Everyone gets that. We're all seeing that a little different depending on the world that we live in. But in our world, people still have to eat. So we're happy about that. And yeah. we deliver food. But our management system has allowed us to shift and refocus a little bit, not do and then change and everything we're doing, but really looking at those strategies and pivot a little bit and not have to reinvent everything. And so we're still working within the same industries or some of the same retailers, new channels. A lot of those things are holding, but the work that we're doing is changing a little bit. But we're able to have it in front of us and we can easily do that. And that's kind of what you poked at with me earlier is that check adjust where when this is going on, you know, it was really scary and early on in March and April, 
May. And then we started to see, okay, now we got to get back to doing our job and getting back in the game. And we put the system back in place into a person. Everyone said, oh, it's nice to have this conversation again. I'm mm-hmm. talking about where are we going as a company now, now knowing what we know. And the system has allowed us to do that. And so I've enjoyed the journey with you. It's been fun. Yeah, it has been fun. And as I said before, you know, I, I just think you and the team have implemented this in such a strong way. It's really best practice uh, across anybody I've seen take this process on. You know, if you've got questions you want to follow up, please please reach out to me. And if it's something that I think Tom can weigh in on, I'll put you in touch or we'll kind of take a look at those questions. But I hope you found today's program interesting, encouraging. Now's the time to act, right? And if you haven't got a growth strategy and a growth engine, it's it's the time to kind of put it in place. So thanks for listening to the Practical CMO and I'll look for us next month.